Advisory services offered through Prime Capital Investment Advisors, LLC, PCIA, a federally registered investment advisor, Overland Park, Kansas. The following or preceding commentaries and responses are the opinions of Jason Noble, Andy Merchant, and their guests, and are not necessarily the opinions of PCIA, are for informational and educational purposes only, and are not and should not be considered investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity, the podcast that focuses on strategies and ideas to answer the wealth questions you have, hosted by Prime Capital Wealth Advisors Jason Noble and Andy Merchant. As wealth advisors, they've spent years navigating the complex world of finance and wealth management for their clients. Each week, they share practical tips and insights to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether you're looking to start a business, build your investment portfolio, or simply improve your personal finances, the next 20 minutes promises to be informative, engaging, and most importantly, actionable. 20 Minutes of Clarity starts now. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity. I'm your host, Jason Noble, with my co-host, Andy Merchant. So excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking about cash flow. What a fun conversation. But I'm telling you, you're going to pick up one or two things in this dialogue, and and you just take it back to what you do. It's going to put you in a better situation. So let's just dive right in. One of the questions that I keep on getting, especially with everything going on with this environment right now, is what's the best way to pay off debt? And, you know, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. I'm seeing credit card debts coming in at 28. I saw one at 32%, right? But then people that going into mortgages, that mortgages are going up higher. You know, Andy, you know, jump in. What are you saying? Yeah, you know, I had that same question. I literally got a uh, uh, an email yesterday from a client who was like, "My rate's now nine and a quarter percent. What are our what are our alternative strategies?" Mm. Right, and so um, you know, and, and I reminded, it's like you know, we're not going to go out and find something cheaper. You know, the cheap days were were yesterday, um, and then the day before, and the month before, and the year before. Um, those those rates aren't going to come back for a little bit. So you know, we are going to be in a time frame where we might have to pay higher rates. Um, but if you are out there, you know, let's let's tailor it straight to to more of the high net worth clients. You know, there there are brokerage companies out there today, you know, take Schwab or take some of the other partners we work with. And uh, and as an advisor, I, you know, we can make phone calls and we can reduce rates. And so um, you know, you may not get that three or four percent rate that we were used to for a number of years, but right now we just need to be aware of it, understand how it's going to increase is what I told this client and and then have a an efficient cash flow strategy to pay it down and we may just we may just tread water for a year if cash flow is not supported. Um, well going back to like paying yeah. off debt, right? You know, yeah. I, I there's a, there's a there's a technique that I have used in the past and I'm going to have to start using again is where we call the credit card company and saying we are going to cut up this card if you don't lower this rate. And the answer is always going to be no until you ask the question. And you just take scissors, right? I got them right here. You just take scissors and you just start doing this. We're going to cut up that card if you don't lower this rate. And you know what? All of a sudden, they figure out a way to lower the rate. But that's just only going to, that's a band-aid over the, uh, uh, over the problem. What, yeah. what I'm looking at, okay, is with my experience with debt payoff, I had this couple I work with. They're awesome. They had $230,000 of debt not including their mortgage. This was personal debt. And when I got done like his debt, she goes, are you ready for mine? And that was already a full page of data, right? Okay, Andy. So this, I remember this conversation, even though it happened six years ago, I remember it like it was yesterday. So then we started looking at her debt. It was 230,000 total from my, my memory. 
Well, they're debt free today. They're debt free today. They only have their mortgage. That's the only thing they have left. And what we did is we looked at debt snowball or a debt avalanche approach to start tackling this debt. Now, the, 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 the great thing is they had discretionary income. So we were able to put an extra $2,500 a month and where we were able to pay the minimum payments and put that extra $2,500 a month towards their other debt. Now, the debt avalanche and snowball approach for those that are listening, snowball, you're just taking the lowest balance one first so that you could get some early on wins and that creates momentum. So there is psychological benefits there. And money is psychological. Don't let anyone fool you, right? So we learn that from our parents and people around us and stuff. But professionals, we have to check those biases at the door. So the second thing I did is I looked at the debt avalanche approaches where we go after the highest interest rate debt first. By looking at the two, we saw that by using the debt avalanche approach, they were going to pay off their debt by a year and a half early. Now, we started the debt avalanche approach, but they weren't really seeing the traction they wanted to. So we switched over to the debt, the debt snowball to get them early wins. And we went back to the avalanche. And that's why they were able to be debt free as soon as they were, because I modified in my recommendation based off of what was going on with their personal finances and how they were thinking about it. So if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, this is something that you could look up online or you could reach out to us. This is so important that we have this conversation over those two different approaches. But it comes back to what you were saying, Andy, it's cash flow. It's cash flow, right? Money which is, in, but, yeah, which is, the number, which is the number one thing, uh, the number one first step we do in clear picture analysis. Without, without optimizing cash flow, we it's very hard to make decisions on every other aspect of your life. And when it comes down to debt management, you know, debt management and, and and implementing the strategies, right? You're you're a master at implementation, right? But implementation is only effective as the data and the direction that we can do in order to commit to that plan. And and understanding cash inflow and outflow um, needs to be it needs to be first, right? And then identifying to your point, what assets can we reduce? If you if you happen to be that client who's got that additional cash flow. Like, you know, that's a, that's a lot easier equation to solve than that client that's still living paycheck to paycheck and adding to that that debt. And uh, so it's a real conversation that you got to start up front. Well, I'll share a conversation I had earlier today. This, this individual is bringing in $13,000 per month before, and this is after taxes. So I'm like, well, how much are you spending per month? He goes, well, 6600 I'm like, oh, okay. So you must have a lot in cash at the bank because, you know, that's that's a lot of, you know, extra flow there. Yeah, yeah. He was like, well, no, I don't. And I'm like, well, so so why don't you? He was like, well, I have, you know, these credit cards. I'm like, yeah, I see the credit cards. Is that part of the 6600? He goes, no. Well, OK, so the credit cards are 4000. So you're spending 10,600. You should still have like cash at the bank with, you know, because you're bringing in 13,000. Well, no, I don't. So how much are you spending? Like, like, I don't know why he was telling me this or that. Listen, when you're working with a professional, we don't have any judgment. Just tell us what it is. With the facts, I could provide you concrete, solid information so that you could make a better, well-informed decision. But if you're telling me you're spending 6600 and you're making 13000 guess what? I know how to do math really well. And I can figure out that's not typically what you're spending unless you have a, a lot of money at the bank, yeah. right? Or you're putting yeah. a lot of money towards long-term investments. No, this individual had $100,000 saved up and I knew he wasn't putting towards investments. 
So I assumed he was putting it towards the bank. And then I realized that wasn't the case. By the time we finished the conversation, he's actually spending about $13,000 a month. Not 6,600. Not 6,600. Yeah. But if he would have started off with that in the very beginning and had that conversation with Justin Green, our power planner, right? Then mm-hmm. when we met, we would have been able to go more into what was important and relevant rather than spending 25 minutes on how much do you spend? Like, that's a simple question. Now, the answer could be complicated because how many people actually know what they spend? I think that's so important just to know what you're spending your money on. That's telling your money where you want it to go. Yeah. Now, if you if you do a budget or if you use an app or something and you see where your money went, that's better than nothing. But that's just telling you what has already happened. Get to the point where you're telling your money where to go. And then that's where you're going to start seeing your financial life really take off. Well, and let's add to it, right? I mean, knowing where your money is first and then developing the strategies around it to reduce debt or or to, and, you know, debt's not been a bad thing. It's still not a bad thing, right? Because debt's leverage. It's what you're buying. You know, and that's that's the thing I look at is let's go pay down because there's some arbitrage, you know, opportunities. And, and one strategy I think I might add for those that are that are maybe tuning in or listening is, again, our focus is let's talk. Let's talk outside the traditional box. Um, you know, walking to an advisor, you might get the same old story. But you know what? A great opportunity. I just did this, Jason, the other day with mm-hmm. with a client. I called it proactively ahead of it. You know, life insurance policies that have built cash flow all these years. Um, their rates have moved as well, right inside the borrowing rate. But a lot of people don't maybe have understood the power of, of borrowing from your own insurance policy and the fact that you can actually call in and request a locked in or reduced rate on assets that remain yours. And you have more control of your cash flow as well as still maintaining your death benefit and things like that. So it goes back to you can't do this on your own. You can't go find a jack of all trades who doesn't know how to master. That's where our partnership, you know, within our firm and within our other groups out there, you know, um, we dive into it. But my exact story was I had a client. Uh, it's interesting. He was looking to add debt. You know, we wanted to buy a, a new piece of land and, uh, you know, going to the banks, one thing, right? We can go borrow money. They're going to give us a rate. We got some ideas around how to work with our professional bank partners um, to help our clients out at times or encourage our clients to ask the right questions. But uh, I just said, well, you've got your insurance policy. It's kind of a short-term finance deal. Uh, why don't we just call your banker and see if we can renegotiate your um, uh, your borrow rate out of your policy? So current rate on the policy was probably eight, eight and a half percent. We were able to go in, request it. We got it locked in for the next 12 months at five. I mean, think about, think about that as a, one phone call, save this client. Let's you know, pick your number, multiply it by a 3% savings. That's added cash flow back into your pocket that you can apply for maybe other debt that you don't have out there. You know, and my second point on all this is that it was sticking on the insurance story is that depending on how your insurance policy was designed, they usually have two different components. You just have to ask the question. If you want to borrow it, you can do a participating loan. And I'll explain maybe a bit about that while we're just chit-chatting a little bit. Um, But uh, then they also have the the non-participating loan. And in the non-participating loan, it's, you know, if they want, if their standard rate's four and a half, you borrow at four and a half, they credit four and a half. So you don't get any growth on your cash value, but you're not paying any interest. So if you think we're going to be in a stable, no growth environment for the next 12 months, why not talk to your professional and and have them consider that and run the, the scenario? If you think there's upside in the market, 
then play the little arbitrage game, right? We want to see if our interest rates are low enough for the for what the market can give us. So and let me let me just break down this this because you're you're getting into it, and I like it, Andy. But like, here's the thing: we're talking about cash flow, and you're you're talking about using and leveraging assets that are in the balance sheet to be able to supplement cash flow needs. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm breaking down for everyone that's listening. Now I'm picking up what you're putting down, right? But not everyone is a CFP, right? So let me get into this part, right? We're talking about cash flow, and I get this question: How should I budget for my expense for my living expenses? And you know, budget in my office is a four-letter word because no, like nobody sticks to a budget, but it's understanding yeah. what your living expenses are and where you are in your financial journey. It goes back to telling your money where to go and what you should be doing with it. Now, there are some ratios that are important, like for those who are like saving up to purchase a home, let's say, right? And uh, an important ratio is debt to income ratio. And what they look at is two different factors when they're getting approval for a mortgage, right? And it's 28% and 36% are the debt to income ratios that are coming in into an account. Um, from when they're looking at pre-qualifying. So working with this couple, they have a lot of student loan debt. And it's that student loan debt that's driving their debt to loan ratios out of whack. Now they have great income that's coming in, but a lot of that money is tied up in, you know, being a lawyer and having that debt. Yep. Um, but we were able to make some adjustments, make some uh, uh, adjust not only to their debt, but we recasted some of their debt, which was awesome. What we refied and then we recasted it. And in here in Charleston, there is a mortgage person who specializes working with lawyers. That's my job to know. Now, my client didn't know that, but I was able to make an introduction and they were able to get them a better rate. Yep. And now they're again pre-qualified for a mortgage where they couldn't do it before because of the ratios. But, you know, so how much should you have for living expenses? Listen, you don't want to be house poor. Right. Like you yeah. got the house you want, but you're paying an arm and a leg for it and you can't furnish it and you can't do anything else. You can't hang out with your friends and can't do anything and you can't have your kids do anything because all the money's going towards the mortgage. But Andy, I know you got some thoughts to this because we talked about we talk about cash flow all the time. What are your thoughts on how much does someone budget for living expenses? Well, I'm the same with you. I mean, it's if rarely I don't think ever has anybody ever walked into the office and said, here's my budget. Um, you know, budgeting is the hardest thing for people to do. And, and, and uh, you know, sometimes you just have to work into it. I tell clients all the time, you, you kind of have an idea of what you spend. Um, but let's take away, you know, all those, you know, house payments, you know, out of that mindset, that equation. Let's take out your insurance payments. Let's take out your tax estimates. And let's just get down to it. How much do you want to do to go out and have food and live your lifestyle? So we call it lifestyle um, expenses in 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 the in our offices, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it's 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 what you're living on, and then all the other stuff will factor into it. So you know, a lot of times when we're working with clients, right, Jason, we'll we'll start with a number and then we'll we'll kind of refine it to your earlier your story point. We solve for what's called unallocated, you know, savings. So if mm -hmm. you if you got to run your household like a balance sheet. It has to balance. You got m so much coming in and so much going out. And if you're not intentionally saving, I know you do a lot with our uh, a lot of the programs you built that I want you to jump into and talk a little bit about that maybe for for brief, but um, you got to start with with an understanding of your balance sheet. And then, then you can start having what we have with clients as a much more 
um, intentional conversation during the clear picture program that helps us identify uh, maybe if there's some some additional spending than what their budget might have been. Yeah, it's about money in, money out. What do we do with the difference? Are we taking that difference and putting it towards debt? Or are we taking that difference and putting it towards, uh, let's say, uh, emergency savings because we need yep. to have access to that if something comes up unexpected? Or were you, were you taking that money and putting it towards longer term investing? Now, yep. one of the things that I saw as, as a retirement income certified professional is that, that transition into retirement, people were going, they're so used to getting money from their paycheck. And then all of a sudden, now they're getting the money from the portfolio. So we created yep. a portfolio payday, which was to help initially our clients that were nearing retirement, money will go rec- directly into their investment account and we'll build an emergency savings. And once they hit certain thresholds, we were able to put it toward long-term investing. And then we're sending money out on a regular basis, the lifestyle paycheck on the 15th and 30th of every month. Pretty easy, right? Yeah. Well, next thing you know, um, my clients that are enrolled in this program, they're going, well, wait a second. What about my son or daughter? They're having issues with their cash flow. We started doing this. Oh, my goodness gracious. I have clients that are in their 20s and 30s and we're doing portfolio payday. But I'll just break it. We're just we're flipping the banking system on its head. There's been a lot of things going on in the banking system that's causing a lot of mistrust and it's rightfully so. So what we're doing is the money is from payroll is coming right into the investment account. Inside the investment account, you're working with a customized portfolio with your advisor to build out that customized cash flow. How much money should be built in emergency savings? Now, once we hit a threshold, that money goes towards long-term investing. So right from that account, I'm actively engaged with my clients in building out their financial plan. One of my clients goes, hey, we got to increase my lifestyle paycheck by $200 a month. Done. It was as easy as making a couple of clicks and getting that extra money out on the 15th of every month. But here's the thing. They went from saving $250 a month towards long-term investments. And right now they're saving, they were saving $2,500. Now they're saving $2,300 per month towards their long-term investing. They're 32 years old. You just look at just like, what are some of the, what are the compounding effect of that's going to be by the time they turn 60 and all the way through their retirement? What does that look like? Oh my goodness gracious. It, put an injection right into their financial plan. And now they're being able to communicate with me, which I love communication. That's a cornerstone of any relationship. They said, hey, well, you know what? I got this trip coming up and this trip is going to cost me, let's just say $12,000 and I'm going to do it next year. I can start sending out an extra $1,000 a month right into their savings account so they could take that trip. They could use their credit cards, get the points. But that money is going to be spent right there from and paid off right there from their savings. They're doing it tactically with a professional that's putting putting them in the best position possible to navigate through that versus going on that trip, loading up $12,000 on credit card debt and everything, paying 28% on it. No, we were able to plan ahead from it and be able to do the cash flow optimization through by, by our service. Now, if you're interested in learning more about the way we work and cash flow optimization and the things that we were talking about today, go to clearpicturefinancial.com, go to tools and go to portfolio payday. You can watch a video that Andy and I put together. We're very proud of this video. You can set up a meeting and we can have a more in-depth conversation with you specifically around your finances. I'm Jason Noble. And I'm Andy Mergent. Have a beautiful day.